Welcome to Women Who Sarcast. I'm Kathy Barron. My co-host is a published author, a literary wanderer, and the host of Fabled Collective Podcast. Please give a warm, sarcastic welcome to Vanessa Eccles. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. So there's a, I don't know if it's technically a contest, but it's definitely a challenge called the National Novel Writing Month. Yes. Nano or NaNoWriMo, however you want to say it. Yeah. (laughs) I have no idea what the correct way is, and I've been doing it for years, so it's all good. (laughs) So how long have you been doing NaNoWriMo? I had to actually look because I thought this would come up, but it was since 2012, and that's actually when I... um, finished writing my first published book and actually the inspiration for the podcast as well. Yeah, it's been a while. That's the same year that I started mine. Really? And that was the only year that I've done, actually. (laughs) Oh, man, that was a good year. (laughs) Yeah. So how many words did you actually write in 2012? Barely. I, I believe that I did not win I say that in like air quotes (laughs) Um, because I don't think I got to 50,000 words. I was actually in my last semester of college at the time Mm. and it was a really heavy load and I had a lot of things going, but I had heard about the event and I just felt like, you know, this is the time. And at the time I was doing some research, I was in a research and methodology class and I was doing some research on the Brothers Grimm and the power and effect of fairy tales. And that really influenced me during that season to really want to explore that thought, which is why I decided to start writing the fictional version of what I was actually researching. <laughs> Interesting. So for those that don't know what the National Novel Writing Month is, it began in 1999 as a challenge to write 50,000 words of a novel during the 30 days of November. So for the month of November, you write 50,000 words. So I came about it, I'm not sure how I came across it, but I had just moved back to California from Santa Fe, New Mexico. I didn't have a job, and I had a an idea while I was in Santa Fe to do this web series and so um, it was called Token of Choice, and I decided to write that, I, that concept into a novel just for fun, just to kind of see what happens. It's totally fabulous, by the way. It's Thank such you. a great read. <laughs> I loved it. Thank you. That was the first time I actually wrote anything, and it was quite the experience. Like, the characters were coming alive on their own. They were basically having conversations with me in my head, like real long arguments and telling me what to do with my writing the book. And don't you just love that? (laughs) It was a very um, psychotic experience. (laughs) Yeah. What a huge accomplishment though for you. Did you actually like do the 50,000 words that month or closer I did 50,027 words man that's amazing yeah that's really amazing one day I remember I wrote like 4,300 in one day and I think that's when I tipped 
over the psychotic barrier of yeah, my characters taking on their own voices. But it was a great experience. How was yours for the first time? It was awesome. It was it, similarly, I did not even have a hard time. Like when I was able to write, I was writing a lot, obviously, for school too. But when I was able to write, it was easy for me to get into the flow. And back then, you know, as you as you go along in your writing career, you start gauging things based off of word count a lot more and trying to meet goals. But when you're just in a story like that, and that was the experience that had something similar to you, when you're just in the story, the characters, they take on their own personalities, their own goals, their own conflicts, they create their own, you know, disaster in a way. And that's the best way to write. It's like magic on a page. The characters were telling me to do things that I didn't want to do. Yeah. And I'm like, no, that's not going to happen. But of course it happens because they win in the end. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do about that. So. Well, did you plot your story or did you like just go by the seat of your pants? I'm a seat by my pants kind of person. Mm -hmm. And that was probably my downfall with that whole experience because it took me six years to finish writing it after that. I basically had to gut it. I gotcha. Because I had a couple subplots and some characters that didn't make any sense. And so I basically had to start from scratch. Gotcha. It's it's sometimes hard for me because I'm like a little bit of both now. But it's those initial, like, I call it exploratory writing where you're just sitting down and just putting whatever, just like kind of mind dumping and onto the page those are my favorite days of writing because I don't know, there's some, the mystery is there, I guess. Mm -hmm. If I go too far into plotting, I lose the mystery of what the story is going to be because I get it all figured out. And then it's, I'm, I'm not as, I don't know. I need that mystery, I guess, to, to continue writing, you know? Yeah. I think if you like do an outline or if you plot it by acts or however, Mm -hmm. you know, act one, two, and three, Mm-hmm. I agree with you. It's like you don't, it's, it seems a little too strict for me and that you have to stay within those lines right. yeah. and you're not able to just kind of free write and do your, I mean, I could be totally wrong, but for me, that's very restricting mm-hmm. and I would rather just vomit everything that comes up in my mind me and too. then sort it out <laughs> later. <laughs> yeah. I'm, and everybody's different as far as like their style goes. So I totally get it. But yeah, for me, that's my favorite part too. So during the different years that you did the challenge, were your experiences different? Yes. It seems like every year and really every project is different. It Some projects are really difficult. Like I came across one um, that I worked on last year that I love the characters and the conflict and the story, but it was really heavily research-based because it's inspired by some true people. And I realized that when I was writing, I love it, but I honestly feel like in another five years, I may be a better writer and could better serve that story and better tell that story. And so I've kind of just set it aside for now. 
Um, but I tried really hard to do it as, you know, a, a National Novel Writing Month goal, and that just was not going to happen. Um, but other other stories come a little bit easier, and sometimes I realize that the story is going to be longer, and sometimes I realize that the story is going to be like a novella size. And unfortunately for me, even if I try to plot some, I really don't know until I get into the writing uh, exactly how far and how long it's going to take to to get to the end. So yeah, everything's different. In 2013, were you like, I'm going to do it totally different than I did last year, and I'm not going to do it that way again because it was, you know, X, Y, or Z. Do you do that to yourself every year? I I do. I do always try to set out and try to learn from the things from the year before that I wish I could do better. But, you know, I kind of still seem to be follow my same old, old rhythms. Now I usually am tackling multiple projects because I'm also working on the podcast and I'm usually working like right now, my, my goal for November is really different because I'm working on three different projects. So it's always like kind of a juggling act there, but I'll miss the days when I could just focus on one thing and <laughs> see right. it through to completion. <laughs> right. <laughs> Those days are no more. Yeah. <laughs> so what is your process for writing? Do you come up with a title first? Do you have this idea that kind of hits you and then you can explore and see where it'll go? You know, it's so funny because it's different things. Um, I know like I've had I've had an instant where I had the title first. I was driving down the road and this title just popped in my head. I had no idea. I have no idea where it came from. And it was such a great title that I just kind of did a voice memo. Hey, remember this? And then year like two years later, I came up I came up with this story and that was the perfect title for that story. But I've also had instances where like quotes inspire me a lot just in like regular life, but also, um, with my writing, like for instance, my story that's in the uh, women of the woods anthology, I was inspired by Neil Gaiman's quote about fairy tales. Don't just remind us that dragons exist. They remind us that dragons can be beaten. So I was like, okay, but what about the poor dragon? You know? So, <laughs> so that really inspired me to explore that quote and that whole entire story came from just that thought of what about the dragon? So hmm. it's all different things inspire me. So you're writing from the point of view of the dragon. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> that I'm quote. A, yeah. I always kind of, I feel like villains are rarely ever born, that they are typically made. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, their backstories sometimes are really painful and have a lot of, you know, pain and sadness and really rich story there. And so sometimes that's my favorite angle to take. <laughs> See what the, let's, let's talk about the villain story. Because maybe, you know, people are rarely just evil. There's, mm -hmm. there's more to people. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of stories focus on the hero and their mm -hmm. journey and a couple of bad guys will come into their lives, you know, throughout the story right. to show that this person truly is a hero. Right. But you don't really focus on the villain story. So that's a good, good point. I really love books that really focus on that. Like I think about Wicked and then I think about uh, the movie Joker. I thought that was also a great exploration of, of a typical, what we would think of as a villain in, um, in the Batman series. But 
I, I think those are really well done, and I tend to gravitate toward that because even they are on their own hero's journey, and the, seeing the evolution of that, and always also kind of hoping at the end that there's still this shred of humanity and kindness and goodness in them, like you're rooting to see that, and mm-hmm. when you do see it, it's it's like I don't know. I think we all can relate to that, and it's a fulfillment to the reader or watcher. Or whoever watches, you know, whoever's partaking in it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, we all have a dark shadow, a dark side. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like the villains show it more than totally. The rest and of us. I, there's this quote that Stephen King said once, and I'm not going to get it 100 percent correct, but it's something to the effect that even the serial killer or the murderer helps an old lady cross the street. Mm-hmm. Um, he does such a great job with, you know, exploring the villain story and making them feel human. You know, uh, we're all various shades of gray, I guess, in some ways. Fifty shades of gray. <laughs> well, I don't know about fifty shades of gray. <laughs> well, and I think it's cool because I some authors like Stephen King they show us that we all have that villain mm-hmm. side yes and i think it just shows us you know the reader that you could flip a switch and you could be in the same predicament yeah i think we're all just a couple of choices away from an entirely different different story mm-hmm. um that we're creating for ourselves and it's very easy to um to make those decisions and find yourself on a different on a different path Right. And I, that's why I think that these stories are really important and they're, they're really pivotal to um, our understanding of humanity because it also helps you connect with people who we may not understand, but it also it helps you connect with that, like you said, that inner darkness that we all kind of have. Um, it makes you less afraid of that darkness, and less, but also kind of empowers you to how to handle it and know what you don't want to be, I guess. Yeah, and that's kind of the struggle I had when I wrote my first book, or my only book, actually. The characters were bringing up things that were out of my comfort zone and not where I wanted the story to go, but the story needed to go that way. Yeah. So it's that struggle that you have with your inner dark side demons, villains, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, it definitely, definitely is. And I think writing is just one of the one of the one of the tools for healing anyway there's so much that we as writers we we kind of bleed on the page as Hemingway would say it we just all of our junk kind of tends to show up you know any weird any weird thoughts we've had or you know anything that we're struggling with it does tend to show up on the page and it's a great way of dealing with it and sorting it out writing is really powerful Mm, it totally is what's your idea if you if you can tell us the secrets well I am working on um I'm co-authoring a book where we've been working since January on a book and it's been you know just 2020 has been a crazy year and we've moved to since then so there's been a lot of things that have distracted me from that so I want to kind of hit that pretty hard and hopefully get as far as I can through that and it's been such a fun product process working with someone else I've never done that before where you know you're kind of going back and forth and 
she'll write a chapter and I'll write a chapter. And we are building this story and this world and these characters together. And also we're sharing characters too. So we're checking each other. Oh, you know, she wouldn't say that, or he would do this. And it's really fun to kind of collaborate on something so massive that has really up until this point for me, only been like, I only had to confer with myself, you know, <laughs> and my characters, but you know, I didn't have to run things past another creative. And it's, I think it's all the better though for that, you know, more minds and more imagination and a bigger story and more drama, all of it, you know, it's been, it's been a great experience. Yeah. I was going to ask you how you have adapted to collaborating. If you've always been a solo writer how that adjustment was for you? It, it, it wasn't, and it is, it still is an adjustment, but I really think it's more fun in a way, but there is some um, pressure in that now you have this accountability partner. When you say you're going to get a chapter done, you know, you have to get that chapter done, right. which, which I need the pressure. I do better when I have it anyway. So it's, it's a good thing, but it, it's just a fun evolution of story to be able to get on the phone and talk for an hour or two about story you know nobody cares about your story when you're writing it like it's really hard <laughs> to have conversations about it right. like nobody wants to sit there for two hours and hear about your story you know right. you're the world building but your co-author does and so it, that's that part has been really fun really really fun well it's interesting that you write a chapter and then she writes a chapter is it like similar? Do you know what the next chapter is going to be to write? Or, I mean, I could just imagine like an improv where, you know, you had the, where you were on improv that time and you, they went to each person that, you know, continued the story. I hope it's not that kind of process. Lord, no. <laughs> yeah, improv's not the thing, <laughs> just for everybody out there. <laughs> um, it's similar in that there are surprises, but in general, we kind of know what's going to happen a couple of chapters out. And usually while we're writing a chapter, we'll have a conversation um, and we'll kind of chat about what we're working on. And we kind of know generally too, we don't have a hard outline, but we do have a pacing outline. Um, that's something that I kind of created after reading lots of plotting books. It works best for me. It's a chapter by chapter pacing outline, just showing like in general what needs to be happening. So that we don't have like some like boring middle, saggy middle type of scenario going on. Um, but it's not like something that, you know, you have to write this and this one, you know, but this one, it'll, it'll say something like, the antagonist comes in and you need to have um, like a, a scene where the antagonist is challenging the protagonist. Um, and that way you just continue to create that tension. So yeah, going back and forth has been, it's been the best way for us. Sometimes I'm a chapter behind and she's a couple ahead or, or vice versa, but it's generally the same. And then like if we edit too as we go so that if I need to add something in to make it work with her next chapter or vice versa, we do that as we're drafting. So for anyone that's interested in National Novel Writing Month that haven't done it before, what's your advice or what pointers do you have for them before they get started in a couple of weeks? Well, eat the frog. And uh, that's a term where, it, I mean, most people know what that term is, but it's, it's a term where you just do the hardest thing first. And 
writing sometimes with our everyday lives and jobs and um, family commitments, it gets pushed to the wayside. And then before you know it, your day is up and you haven't written anything. So if you are a morning person and can spare just a few minutes in the morning to write, I suggest doing it then and getting it over with. And that way you've done it and you feel good. It's like exercising in a way, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. you're working on your creative projects is like that. You know, when you exercise the day, you're like, okay, I did good. You know, I did something really good for myself. Well, the same thing goes for your creative projects. Do you feel that NaNoWriMo has helped your writing process or hurt your writing process? Oh, it's definitely helped. It's definitely helped because I can be slow but I know that in November, I'm going to hit it hard. Like, even if I'm slow all year in November, we're hitting it hard. And I also do the camps, too, um, during the, the spring and summer. Because even if I don't, you know, win, you're able to set your own goals during the camps. And I, I tend to be more productive during those months. So should someone that's new, like, set a goal each day to write so many words a day? Or do you think that's too restrictive i think that's what what the website kind of encourages i think it's like 1100 and some odd words a day will get you to that fifty thousand word goal so i would say yeah i I do i do a lot of word count setting but i actually do word sprints for like 10 minutes at a time at a time and then if you do a couple of those throughout the day even if it's like on your lunch break or in the morning and then on your lunch break and then in the evening or maybe right before bed you will likely be really close to that goal. So, you know, it just depends on if you're like one of those people who can do deep work and sit down for a large chunk of time and hit it hard, that's great. But if not, just break it up during the day. So word sprints, is that kind of like you do your quick five-minute writing? Yeah. I And see, these are one of these things that if you're prepping for um, – the National Novel Writing Month, you can actually learn and do a couple of different word sprints at different times and learn what your optimal time and speed is. So I've tried it different ways between five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minute sprints. But I've learned that I tend to write the most words per minute when I'm at 10 minutes. So I do only 10 minute sprints because that's my optimal time. Everybody's is different, though. I think my co-author's is, hers is a 30-minute sprint. Hmm. Um, So, you know, you just kind of have to figure it out. And you can just, you can do that with different timers, Pomodoro, those types of things. See, my 30-minute sprint would be like a five-minute sprint because I'd probably sit there for 25 minutes looking at a blank screen. and (laughs) And then at the very last five minutes of the 30 minutes, I'd like frantically you know, write a paragraph yeah. or something. <laughs> well, and that's too, that's another thing, just knowing that you're, you're being timed. And if you only had that much time, you tend to push a little bit. Mm-hmm. But one of the ways that I kind of get over that fear of the blank screen and not knowing what to write is to find some kind of picture and start off with description. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I I use Pinterest a lot for this, but I find some something that's similar to the vibe that I'm feeling for this story. And then I'll just start off with description. And then from that description, I will usually be able to jump into the story. So Interesting. That, that helps me. Yeah. Interesting. So what other writer's block techniques do you have up your sleeve that people can use to overcome it? 
Well, I do believe in doing um, and creating music playlists because sometimes that just gets you in the right mindset. But I also usually start out all of my stories and most of my chapters, uh, to be honest, with right handwriting, just sitting with my notebook outside. There's something about that just... I tend to write better and more descriptive and deeper emotional scenes better when I'm just writing by hand. There's something very intentional about writing um, that way. And then being outside really helps me. I don't know. It helps me connect with something bigger, I think. So do you write all of your novels or do you type? I start off writing. So like most, most scenes, I will start off actually handwriting. And then once I feel like I've got a grip on that scene, I will switch over to like the computer. Um, and sometimes I will just like copy everything that, you know, just, just transcribe everything that I wrote in the notebook. But other times I would just go straight from wherever I left off and then go back later and add that. But yeah, I, I don't know. There's not a lot of people who still do um, hand, you know, like handwrite things, but there's something magical about it. Yeah. If you ever feel stuck, it's worth trying. And I've also heard that if you're right-handed, you should write with your left hand. Oh, to I heard that. help, I don't know. This is just some spooky, you know, witchy stuff, I'm sure. But that you write with your opposite hand and that helps bring well, out. I need to try that. But then if you can't write with your left hand, it might be hard to decipher what you wrote. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think I, I have never, no idea. I don't think I've ever tried, but I, I, I can do most things with my left hand as well. So I'm going to try that. <laughs> I, will, I will report back. <laughs> Let me know how that goes. Yeah. So another thing that I do to kind of keep me on track and to inspire me is that I keep character cards for my main characters. And on the card, what I'll do is find a picture that reminds me of, of that character, and I will print it on a little card. And on the card, I'll have her photo but I'll, or, or his, and I'll have her, their name. I'll have a goal, like what their actual goal, like their ultimate goal in the book is. I'll, keep, I'll have also their motivation what is pushing them toward that goal and their why, I suppose you would say. Also have the lie that he or she believes. Um, <laughs> that's something that is really pivotal in getting deep into your character is understanding where their, where their thinking is always going. Um, and they're, 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 so there's usually a lie that they believe, and there's also a lie that they keep. Hmm. So this creates a lot of tension and a lot of drama. And a lot of uh, interesting, like, dialogue between the characters. So you know that this person's hiding something, and she's trying to figure out ways to continually keep it hidden. And so that creates some really, you know, some interest. And also, I have their love language. So what ways do other characters show their love language toward this character? Um, what ways would be effective and what ways wouldn't be effective? Interesting. Wow. Yeah, and then I have the conflict that um, I have overarching in the story. And then you can also do the Myers-Briggs personality test with your character in mind. I've done that before oh for my, my main God. characters. And that will tell you everything that you could possibly want to know about them. Wow, you go pretty deep in this character development thing. I do. I mean, that's for like novels and ones that I'm really going like deep into a psychological uh, space, but not all of all of my stories do I do that. But some of them, it just 
I feel like it makes the story richer, but not just, I do it for me too, because mm-hmm. it's easy to get lost in your characters to just feel two dimensional almost. Right. And I'm challenging myself as a writer to write real people and is as authentic as I can possibly create them. And I know not every character is going to be an INFJ like me. <laughs> so <laughs> I've got to, I've got to, I've got to bridge out. <laughs> <laughs> Right, because you're writing these characters from you, from yourself, from your experience. And so it is kind of two-dimensional in a way. Yeah. So to be able to expand on the character's development beyond who you are as a person. Yeah, yeah. And you have to be really intentional to, you know, go there and dig deeper and try to actually, I always try to think about like, because when I do the Myers-Briggs, I try to think about somebody I know who has that personality type and the mannerisms that they have, the things that offend them, the things that make them laugh, you know, the things that make them, you know, bring them joy. All of those things are going to be similar. So it's easier when you can associate characters to real people in at least that way. So do you, so you basically have your characters in mind before you write the story? Or do your characters still kind of develop as you're writing the story? I usually have the main character sort of, that's who I meet first in my like process. And that character, I usually know. I pretty well know, you know, and I can go through and like take a test and, and understand where they would be. Um, the other characters do somewhat evolve, even like your, your antagonists or your side characters or like, you know, your character's best friend or your character's boyfriend or, or girlfriend or anybody who is like in the peripheral but still inside of the story. I, those people kind of evolve as I go. The main character, the, the hero, you know, who, wh- however slant you're taking that, mm-hmm. I, I do kind of know early on. So have there been, in your writing of your books, has there been any, like, surprise, like, kind of mind-blown stuff that has come up while you're writing that book? As far as a character, you know, being loud in your head or character wants you to take it one way where you're, like, always thinking it would go this way. And how do you deal with that? I mean, I can tell you my experience, but I want to hear how you process that because it definitely happens when you're writing it does yeah and your characters basically just want to take over your pen it does I I've had one book that was particularly difficult to write I mean all of them have little moments where I'm like "Mm, I really don't want to do that yes (laughs) but I'm gonna go there (laughs) you know it makes me feel a little uncomfortable but I kind of feel like if you feel comfortable always in what you're writing it's probably not your best work you need to have that sense of uncomfortable. We need to have those uncomfortable conversations. People go to art not to feel good, but to really be able to explore. And that's not, if you're giving like a very vanilla, soothing type of story where there's no push, there's no conflict, there's no um, surprise, then you're not allowing the person taking part in it to truly explore this topic. And so I kind of feel that way. And I did have a story, I do, I have a a book that's finished and I haven't published it yet. And it's really because it pushed me so far that it has terrified me to put it out. Mm. Um, 
it, it made me explore something that actually happened to me, which I'm so thankful I did it because I feel like I understand what happened to me a lot better. Mm. But at the same time, it's so personal that I'm, uh, I'm afraid to put it out in the world and have any type of criticism against it. And that's totally normal and natural criticism is it's what, you know, what happens with art. But yeah, it, I can't say that I'm probably the best person to give advice on, you know, but I do think you should do it anyway. Yeah. And I'm going to, one of these days, I'm going to put that book out. I'm just going to do it anyway. Uh, maybe this is the, maybe this is the push that I need to realize <laughs> that I still haven't, I can't even give that good advice because there are some things that we, that we write and you're like, oh gosh, that scares even me. I can't handle it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, putting your stuff out there in general is a tough thing to do, but then when it's really personal and it really affects you deeply, yeah, you know, maybe it's just one for the vaults. Yeah, maybe so. And I, but I always think about, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the book Lolita. Mm-hmm. I, I always heard that he threw away the book and his wife dug it out of the trash. and was like, this is something that needs to be out in the world. Right. But it was, it's such a heavy book. It was such a heavy, very controversial topic. So I'm sure these are probably, you know, things that were swirling in his mind too. Anything that's hard to talk about, to share openly are going to be things that honestly, that's what's full in the classics. I mean, the classics, they're, they talked about the hard things. Yeah. They were the people who, who did big things and went against the grain and, you know, kind of found their inner brave. And I don't know, I think you have to find that and everybody's different as how, as far as how long that takes, but there's a process there as an, as a creative. And I think everybody has a book in them. It's just being encouraged to yeah. get that out there. And it is scary. It is scary to do. I probably wouldn't have done it if I wasn't under the circumstances that I was in. But it was an experience that I'll never forget. And, you know, it's almost like a runner's high kind of experience in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I can see that. It is. It is very thrilling and terrifying all at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like all good things are, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's hard to put your creative projects out there for people to... It's like you're burying your soul, you know, and your thoughts with writing. It's like, oh, my God, she thinks this weird shit. (laughs) Yes, totally. Because, you know, and I've had really strange conversations after putting out some of my work because, I mean, you, you know me a little bit personally, and I'm not like I'm not the the dark creature that keeps coming up in my books. <laughs> what are you? What are you, Vanessa? Yeah, right, really? Right? Like we <laughs> talked about, everybody has their different sides, but like, that's not like who I come across as I right. think. And so people are conflicted sometimes, you know, when they, when they read your work and then they know you personally, they're like, wait a minute. Like what is going on in your warped mind? Yes, exactly. <laughs> you're crazier than I thought. <laughs> right, because you're like revealing a part of yourself that you've probably kept to yourself and now it's yeah. out in the public. And I think with my book, Token of Choice, everybody was like, oh, you know, the main character, Christy, is definitely you. And I'm like, maybe, maybe not. She might have some characteristics of myself but I also think that each character has a part of who I am yes yes and then I just kind of developed from there I had somebody ask me one time which character 
is closely is closer uh, to your own personality than than the others. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't know. Like I really don't know that I could put my finger on that because, like you said, each one has a little bit. Mm-hmm. And if you really are close with people, like when my husband reads my books, he, he notices little small details of our lives. They kind of bleed in, um, like the name of my pet or like my favorite pop, like my favorite um, snack is popcorn. Uh, there's always coffee in my stories because <laughs> I, this girl runs on coffee. So, so like, you know, these little pieces of my own personality and like I I pretty much only use Moleskin notebooks and, mm. so, you know, certain types of things kind of, they just kind of pop up, but it's parts of who you are. But that doesn't mean like your character is you, because I couldn't say that my characters are me, but they are pieces of me. And then there are pieces of me even in the world building, you know, mm-hmm. pieces of our own experience, things that we've seen, um, you know, those types of things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're a Moleskin writer. I'm a decomposition notebook person. Oh, I love it. I love oh my it. God. I can't, I'm like going broke buying those notebooks it's like no you don't need sixty dollars worth of these notebooks you know, i hear you i'm sure there's like five in the closet that haven't even been touched yet you know i know i love notebooks though i Gosh. do too. <laughs> like my obsession with books i oh boy yeah <laughs> Not a lot of those. yeah i've seen your bookshelf behind you overflowing <laughs> Well, if anybody out there is listening and they've always had that urge to write a book, whether it's a novel or a novella or a kid's book or poetry, you just got to do it. You know, a lot of people are like, just sit your butt in the chair. And it's not just that. It's just get a notebook, piece of paper, piece of napkin, start free writing. Yeah, just do it. see where it ends up. Yeah. You never know. I mean, everybody, you know, just like we were talking about earlier, everyone is just a couple of decisions for being on a totally different path. Well, yeah, that could be in a negative sense, but it could also be in a very positive sense. I mean, we're just, one decision could change everything. And this one book, this one story could change everything for you, but it could also change everything for someone else. And that's the biggest drive for writing something is that this may be the thing that someone else needs to read at this moment in their lives and inspire them and encourage them on their journey. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where, that's where it's at. Exactly. While we do this. Yeah. So National Novel Writing Month is November. Starts November 1st through the 30th. And you can go to, I think it's nanoremo.org to check it out. And you can find Vanessa at fabledcollective.com. You can find her at Fabled Collective Podcast. And you can probably find her on all the different, like, Amazon so look her up read those books and uh you can also find my book on amazon buy it It is so good (laughs) (laughs) well thanks so much vanessa i appreciate you taking the time thank you so much this was fun thank you for listening to women who sarcast an independent podcast we welcome and encourage your snarky comments contact us at women who sarcast at yahoo.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Who Sarcast. Support us on Patreon and become part of our sarcastic community. Visit www.patreon.com backslash Women Who Sarcast. Show music provided by Mike Imbasciani.